This is the Godcast with Josh Fritz. Bear in mind as you listen to this podcast that speaks to the fallacy of Kyle James Howard. Um, as I recorded it, I ran across several errors with playing his video. So you will hear pauses, you will hear interruptions. I've tried to edit most of them out, uh, but you do have the podcast here in its entirety. The audio is fairly good. Um, please bear in mind uh, that we're trying to underline the importance of the local church and uh, how it functions, and that's the premise behind this podcast, and uh, how Kyle J. Howard tries to justify not attending the local church. That is an incorrect view, no matter what the situation may be. We always find ways to attend the local church, no matter what. So bear in, have that in mind as you listen to the podcast, and I appreciate you for listening. For any other questions, you can email me at livebiblestudies412 at gmail.com, or you can call me on the hotline, 631-209-7457. Thank you. God bless you. The Godcast with Josh Fritz, episode 43, The Fallacies of Kyle James Howard. The Godcast with Josh Fritz, where the scripture is honored, the lost are warned, the saints are fortified, false teachers are exposed, and the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. Here's your host, Josh Fritz. Welcome to the Godcast with Josh Fritz. This is a special weekend edition. Uh, I'm here to talk about something that's been on my mind the last couple of days. I've been on vacation, and some things happen on vacation where you come across somebody saying something that perks your ears up and perks your mind and heart up to the importance of attending the local church. Now, I've made podcasts on that before, and what I'll do is I think what I'll dig up the link for that and I'll put it out there. But the reason why you see on my screen here to... Uh, you know, to your left, uh, up at the top there, is the uh, is a video that I have of uh, Mr. Kyle James Howard. So, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read you a, a, who, briefly who he is. I'm sure those in the Bible Thumping Wing that YouTube page know who he is, um, but for those of the, you in my audience that listen to me um, regularly, I want you to check out what uh, who he is first. I'm gonna read his own biography, what we have here on one of these pages. I'll give you that address too, and we'll take that apart. We'll just—I want to introduce who he is. Uh, frankly, I need to know more about him, other than uh, you know, I've I've seen a few videos about him, of which I just, in my mind, I'm looking at the Bible, what it says, and what it's all about. And the question that he posits here in his videos is where it says, "Where in the Bible does it say?" Christians can stop coming to church on Sunday because of church-related trauma or abuse. So that's his question, and he he goes to answer that question in this 20-minute video that he put on Periscope, and that was on Twitter. But before we get into that, because that's what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to look at his page here I have on my screen. I'm not sharing it with you. I'm going to be reading it off. It's LegacyDisciple.org. That's where you find his biography here. I'm just going to read it just for uh, information purposes. I'm not making an opinion on this because 
uh, my assessment is going to be on the video that he made. So let me just read this to you so you know. Kyle J. Howard, from a gang member and professional rapper to a preacher and theologian, Kyle J. Howard has experienced sovereign grace and has dedicated his life to proclaiming it to others. Born into a multi-ethnic family of attorneys, Kyle was trained in rhetoric from an early age in preparation to one day pursue law himself. However, when Kyle entered his, into his teen years, he rebelled against his family upbringing. At 15, Kyle became a member of a gang known as the Crips. At 18, and shortly before signing a hip-hop recording contract, Kyle was radically converted to Christianity. Since then, Kyle has devoted his life to serving the church through the various gifts God has given him. Since 2012, Kyle has attended the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. At Southern, he has received an Associate's in Biblical and Theological Studies, a Bachelor's in Biblical Counseling, and is currently finishing an Advanced Master's of Divinity in the field of Historical Theology. Kyle primarily serves the Church as a Christian counselor and writer. Kyle provides a broad range of counseling services, but has begun focusing on providing soul care for Christians who are experiencing various forms of race-based trauma. (coughs) In his writing, Kyle has largely focused on issues concerning ethnic reconciliation in the church. Kyle serves faithfully in his local church and has been married to his high school sweetheart for 10 years. Uh, Her name is Vi, it says here. They currently have three children, nine, six, and two, and live in Louisville, Kentucky. Kyle can be heard on his weekly podcast, which is called The Quorum D.O., podcast read through his many articles at www.kylejhoward.com or followed on twitter at kyle james howard okay so that's who he is okay let me just click out of that so we have that there as his as the basis of who who we're talking about and i am on the uh, i am josh fritz of the godcast um on the bible thumping wingnut network now, mind you, um, the question that he posits here, and when he he does attempt to answer it, in which uh, we'll go over that, is where in the Bible does it say Christians can stop coming to church on Sunday because of church-related trauma or abuse? So I can do one or two things. I can answer this as I go, or I can allow him to speak, and then I will in- interrupt and uh, provide the biblical uh, answer here. What I think I will do is I'm going to... First, let me set this up so that way we can get in here. Because my screen goes a little bonkers when I do this. We are going to... I have to somehow get a smaller control here. Because you're not going to see me and what I do. I mean, you might see what I do, but... We're going to back it up here. To the beginning is what we should do. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it, but I'm gonna stop it at the same time. We're gonna play it from the beginning, and then we're gonna we're gonna cut in and respond. I think that's the only way, the best way to do it. So let me do that. Again, I'm using a different program here, so bear with me here. And we're gonna play it. All right, so we're gonna play what he says, and then we're gonna respond in kind. So let's. Do this with all respect, okay?
to um, this question. Um, I've been receiving a lot of feedback um, regarding uh, some things that I've said over the past, I guess, couple weeks. Uh, some of it has come from a place of not of good faith. Um, I've spoken about that of people um, who are asking a, this question um, in a way in which it clearly demonstrates that they lack compassion, that they're not really seeking to, to consider these things, but rather they're seeking to indict. Um, and then there are other people who I uh, who I've seen more recently who, in sincerity, are asking this question of you know where in the Bible does it say that a Christian who's experienced spiritual trauma or abuse um, doesn't have to go to church? And um, one of the things that I've had to do as a as a counselor, um, especially as I've begun engaging with spiritual trauma, spiritual abuse, is I've had to learn from about other faith traditions. Um, in this case, specifically fundamentalism. Um, I have, for the past 15, 16 years, have, uh, I guess, spiritually grown up within uh, Reformed evangelical spaces. And honestly, this is not a issue or even a question that would be posed in many of the spaces that I... Uh, I'll stop it there. Um. But this wouldn't be one. Um, to get straight to it, because I don't want this video to be unnecessarily long, um, I would have, I would take issue with the question itself. Um, and I would take issues with the question itself on a bunch of, of several different levels. And the first one that comes to mind is the whole way in which the question is postured. Where in the Bible does it say it is okay for a Christian not to come to a Sunday gathering because of spiritual abuse or trauma? I All right. He asked the question. He's about to give the answer. Now, he's going to go to the known passage that everybody knows to be Hebrews 10, 26, right? 10, 25, and 26, of which we all should know. And the answer to his question is because of trauma or abuse, the answer is you find the person who is causing that problem, you discipline them according to the church and with the body of doctrine and the scripture, or if it's a crime, you report them to the authorities. You remove the person. You know, in the, in the history of the church, there was... In things that were going on that were immoral in the Corinthian church, right? A, a man was had his, um, his. if I'm having this correctly, his son, uh, a, a, a man had his father's wife, okay? So this was a problem. They had to expel the immoral believer. They had to, or expel the immoral brother. That's what it says there, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 5. That's an instance of which what's happening is wrong. You you get rid of the person. Any kind of sin that's egregious, such as that, you know, anything egregious, anything kind of harm, any kind of physical harm, you remove the person. That doesn't give us a pass to say, all right, I'm not going back to church because that's where you're going to get fed the most. Now, if this is a place that is not biblical, they're not adhering to biblical principles, the minister is not a uh, is not qualified in the sense that he's the qual qualifications for a minister, meaning he's a husband of one wife. All these things, all the uh, pastoral epistles, they're not those requirements or obligations are not fulfilled in a pastor. Obviously, you're in a church that doesn't honor God's word. Now, this you have to separate these two issues because if you are in a church that and it might cease to be a church, frankly, that does not preach and teach the scripture, that doesn't go systematically through the Bible and wants to 
encourage you to grow and may rebuke you at times and may push you to the point where, you know, you might not like what's being said, but at the same time, you know that it's coming from somebody who's taken their time out to study, to show themselves approved unto God, workmen that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If they're doing that, that's the place you need to be. If they're not doing that, you need to get out of there, period. You, you cannot make uh, an abusive situation your excuse to not fellowship with believers that are not abusive. I'll say that again just to make sure I'm clear and we're all clear. Because of prior, uh, any prior abuse you might have experienced, and God forbid nobody wants that to happen. You know the uh, the Catholic religion, that they're, they have suffered through that. You've had these things taken place where uh, there have there have been groups of which had this abuse that's happened, whether it's uh, physical abuse, whether it's, you want to say racial, fine. That's not a place you need to be. You get out of that place. You go to a place. You don't just stay home. Staying home and getting spiritually fed don't make sense uh, from the local church. It's, it's given to us in God's word to stay together. It's not, it, the local church is not a... It's not a place where you should go to where you feel like you're being abused. Sometimes it's uh, a misunderstanding. Other times it's a it's a serious situation. You need to get out of there and go to a place. Make it your make it your life's ambition to be with the saints. Why would you? Who could you interact with? Who can you interact with by yourself without being with other believers? It makes no sense. And I say this repeatedly on my podcast. This is not your substitute for the Lord's Day. This is not your substitute. I don't know what he's getting at here, and we're going to listen to what he says here because we have to break it apart. But I'm saying to you on the on the, on the the beginning of this, the front end, that the only good reason to not go to church, you should be A, sick, B, maybe you're infirmed, C, if you're in a place that you feel like you're being traumatized or you're being affected in a place that doesn't honor Christ, you get out of there and you find something else. You don't, don't let don't let that stop you or paralyze you. We're there at, at the local church, the local body of believers, to be encouraged. I don't know how this video is going to encourage somebody, right, as you hear it. How is this going to encourage a saint in Jesus Christ when, in fact, they need to be with other believers? Mind you, I'm here also to encourage you to do just that. And he does clarify what he says, but at the same time, if you've experienced some type of trauma in your life, the first place you're going to want to be is with the saints. I'll tell you that from my personal experience, but let's hold on to that for a second as we go through the video here. And hopefully my connectivity issues are good. I would deposit the question, where in the Bible does it say that they must? Where in the Bible is there a law established saying that part of Christian faithfulness uh, requires that one attends a Sunday morning gathering? And so I would ask the question, I would seek to flip it and say, okay, uh, first, let's talk about that. Because we're, we're, if you're saying that a Christian must do something, that means that in the scriptures that there must be some law that uh, dictates that. And so first what I would like to do is I would like to go to where I think is the most common text it's in Hebrews that deals that is used to establish some kind of law that says that Christians must do this and feel shame or guilt if they do not. Now, on the other side of this, I'll tell you now, I'm going to address um, 
I would not ask a frame a question of uh, Christian doesn't frame it in a way in which the church is a burden. Uh, the church is not supposed to be a burden. The church is not supposed to be something that people roll their eyes and kind of slug into. It's supposed to be a place where people are able to flourish. They're able to abound. It's supposed to be a refuge uh, for the people of God. And so I wouldn't even phrase on the other side of it. I wouldn't phrase the question even engaging or counseling people who have spiritual trauma of experience, spiritual abuse. I wouldn't encourage them not to go to church or if they're not going to church, I wouldn't engage with them as if that's something that should be um, celebrated or that's something that is... Uh, is all right well, I'll, I'll stop him here now he's saying he's coming from the the position that it's a law in the new testament we live under the law of love we're not under the law in the sense of the old testament okay and i i kind of see what he's trying to say but i'm not buying it because you're giving yourself an out to not go to the local church no matter what someone could take this and say you know what i feel abused I feel this, I feel that, and it's their excuse to not go. Those are people that are not regenerate. If you are a regenerate, Holy Spirit indwelt believer, you have the Holy Spirit, and this is what we've been talking about the last two times that I've been on. You have the Holy Spirit within you that prompts you to say, I need to be with the saints. Now, if you've been abused, if you've been traumatized, God bless you, I, am, I feel bad for you. At the same time, though, this does not give you an out. I'm speaking to you in love here. It does not give you an out to not go elsewhere. Go somewhere else. Find a place that will teach the scripture. Now, I don't know if he means that by what he says. Maybe he should clarify that. Maybe that that should be addressed by him. I would do so if I were him. I would clarify that. But in, in all means, to stay home is out of fear of these people. You don't have to stay home. You go to a place that honors God, period. Okay? Granted, what is the practice of believers throughout the centuries? In the Old Testament, what did the Old Testament saints do? They met in the synagogue. What did Nehemiah do? They met. They read the scripture out in the open. The Lord Jesus Christ, he went out to the people and he told them. He read it in the synagogue about himself. People were there. People attended these things. Why? They needed to be instructed how else are you going to be instructed in set, outside of a corporate setting? Yes, you're going to have fathers should be leading their homes, correct. You have fathers that are appointed by God. It says that fathers are responsible in the Word of God to teach their children. Okay? This, those are the things that are important. The family is an institution of God. An institution that should not be attacked, but it has been attacked. What else? The local church is an institution of God. He set it up. Why did the Lord why would Jesus say to Peter on this rock I will build my church? Why would he say that? So that we would not go to the local church, so that we would not be ones to hear of each other's burdens. I mean, we should be all in the more habit of meeting together more often. That's what the the, the persecuted church met more often than what we a local church today would. Today you have local churches that are they're open on Sunday, they're closed in the afternoon. I I personally don't know what that's like. I'm used to the Monday, um, excuse me, I'm used to the uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and midweek service. Now, however it's set up is fine, but we, we worship on the first day of the week to commemorate and remember our Lord's resurrection. Why would you not go to do that? It, it, because of some type of trauma that's happened in your life? People can use this as an out to not go. 
And these are people that most likely are not regenerate. I'm not saying that attendance is required for salvation. That's not what I'm saying. It's that those that are saved, those that are truly Holy Spirit and dwelt, that are redeemed, they love the local church. They love their brothers and sisters. They want to be with them. They cannot wait to be there. Are you that type of person? Can you, can you have, do you have that true desire? Say, I cannot wait to be with the saints. Or is it, oh, I got to get up for church. Oh, I got to do this. Or is it like that? Because if it's like that, we have a problem. You have a problem with God. And that, it's, so many examples are in the scripture. And I might touch on a few just to underline that. But just because of something that's happened in your life, a traumatic experience, now we're just going to say to those that have been harmed, you don't have to go. You can stay home. It just it boggles my mind. You would want to go to a place that'll honor Christ and that will read off the scripture. Even just read, the sheer reading of the scripture brings a peace to you. The Psalms being read, the scripture being exposed, being every word being gone over, singing of hymns, lifting up a praise to God to what He's done. I mean, it's a, just to take a look at the Psalms and you'll understand where David was in his heart, in his mind. But you have to understand that the work that was put forth by the apostles. The apostle Paul went to each church. He carried a burden for the churches. He had this burden on his heart and mind because some churches didn't get it right. The Corinthian church, the church at Corinth, had many problems. And what was Paul's concern? He prayed for them. Same same goes for the rest of the churches. He has daily concern for all the churches. And for this for this gentleman to say that it's it's a borderline, if not legalism, to say you don't have to go, or it's not a command. And I frankly take the word of God as it says, and it says, do not let's read that scripture. He's gonna read it, but I'm gonna read it before him because I'm going to make the point, and then you're going to see his point and see the fallacy of his point. So let's go to Hebrews 10. Mind you, the Hebrew believers were under persecution. These people were under great stress, probably greater stress than people would cite today. You can't equal, equate the two. I know for sure that's the truth. So let's take it to there. Hebrews 10. And mind you, the context dictates uh, us to be to, to trust the Lord in faith, right? To live by faith. And to those that are around us, there is a, is a there's a growing apostasy. Okay, so this is very pertinent to our situation today. Uh, we'll take it back to verse nineteen. So I like to read the previous verses to get the continuity here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that brings, that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider now, uh, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How are you going to spur somebody on to love and good deeds when you don't go? Maybe that person that, how are you going to be spurned yourself? 
How is that brother and sister going to help you? The very help that you may need as a as a traumatized believer or a traumatized Christian. You might be truly traumatized from a part. Go to a place that will do this. They'll spur you on. They'll encourage you. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this would be the attitude is that some were in the habit of not going to the local assembly because they were discouraged. Whereas he's saying, the writer here of Hebrews is saying, you can be encouraged by being with one another. It just, it it boggles my mind to have an excuse for this. And this, we're going to let him talk. But I'm going to read the rest of this after the fact. So it says, as you see the day approaching. So let's, let's let uh, Kyle continue. He's going to read the verse that I just read. So just bear with me. Eight. Um, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that they're not responsible for. We don't blame the victim, but it is nonetheless a tragedy that the very institution of God, the church, that is supposed to be a refuge for people, has now become a source of trauma, has now become a place where people are traumatically triggered. And so I'm, I would never phrase it even on the other side of giving people a pass or talking about the church or church attendance as if it's this you can or cannot do. I would talk about it in the sense of the tragedy that exists of spiritual trauma and church-related abuse that has turned a place of refuge into a place of harm and pain. So I wouldn't even, that whole question to me has to be deconstructed. But again, what I would like to do right now is I'll go to Hebrews, specifically Hebrews 10, um, specific verses is verse 25 and 26. And I'd like to talk about this passage. It just seems to be one that is commonly commonly used within fundamentalist circles to um, establish a law uh, that says that Christians must attend a Sunday morning gathering. And again, the terminology I'm using there is important, must. So I'm not saying whether or not it's wise. I'm not saying whether or not it's beneficial. It's all those things. I'm not saying uh, whether or not it's um, um, encouraging. I'm talking about those who say you must as a law. If you do not do this, you are out. You are in sin. And so in Hebrews, what you have here. If you do not attend the local church, it's most likely you are not a believer. The local church is for the believer. Now you have a mixed multitude of people in the local church that are believers and not believers they're just going just to go they're not going they're going to just fulfill a duty believers are going to the local church to be fed they're going there to be given the word of the word of god they're going there to be met with the meat of the word of god and the shepherd is the shepherd who's the pastor is going to deliver that message faithfully okay to say otherwise and to say it's uh and to say it's a form of legalism is not correct because we're told to do this. We're told. If it's given to us saying you need to be there, we're going to be there. Why would the church, why would the Bible be written? Why would the New Testament be given by Jesus Christ? Right? Why would it be given so that we would just. You, you, you really could just take the, and say to the New Testament, by, based on what he just said, you could take the New Testament and say, I don't need it. Which is ridiculous. Why? I'll tell you why. In a matter of verses, simple verses that we can go to. So let's do this. Let's go to, and this is very simple. This is a very simple practice. I'm going to start reading this, so just pay attention. You'll, you'll know where I am. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets, his prophets, and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, they received grace, the apostles, to call all the Gentiles to obedience. See, obedience and faith go together. That comes from faith for his name's sake. And you are all and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is a command. The gospel is a command. It's a command to repent, to turn away from your sin, to trust in Christ for his sacrifice on the cross and what he's done. What is the reason why we gather together? It just, just it boggles my mind to make an excuse. Call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. If you're going to trust God, you're going to obey God. You're going to want to obey God. You're going to want to be with those that do obey God. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness to how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. See, Paul wanted to be with the church at Rome. This is the first book, the first chapter, several verses of Romans 1. Paul's desire is to be with the church at Rome. It's his desire. Why? Why is that there? Because of the gospel's sake. That's why. And what else? They've received grace, the command, and the apostleship, the office given to them to call on the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Why are we there at the local church? For the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what drama or no matter what trauma, trauma, drama, whatever, whatever that has occurred in your life, you long to be with the saints. Now, there are Bad apples everywhere. I get that. Those people need to be drawn off to the courts and dealt with by the law. Now, is the, the judicial system, is it, that's another topic for the day. Is it intact today? It's really defunct. It doesn't function according to what a proper punishment should be to a murderer, right? Those type of things. Or what should be done to a person that steals. All those things. Those are Those are other things to be talked about. But Anybody that's causing that type of trouble in a local church, you get rid of them. It doesn't give you an excuse to stay away. You deal with the problem. You find a place that honors the scripture. And there's, there's going to be bad people everywhere. That's the whole point. Let's go to the next section of scripture, which will help us understand this. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. 
He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Christ, from Chloe's household, sorry, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean of this, this one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. So again, he's going through the divisions here of what these people were doing. They're coming up factions. There's, there's a, he's addressing the church. He's addressing the church. That's the whole. Me reading this, these several verses is telling you that he's addressing the church. He's not addressing individual believers and saying, you know what, you should go to church. Maybe you'll solve that problem. He's not saying that. He's saying the church is already gathered. Okay? And he's writing the letters to the churches. Let's go to another one. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I, trying, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And he goes into his apostleship here in Galatians chapter 1. He tells us exactly how he became an apostle. What happened to him? He tried to destroy the church. That's another example. The testimony of Paul tells you that he tried to do everything possible as a Gentile, excuse me, as a Hebrew Pharisee to destroy the local church, destroy those churches that were popping up in Jerusalem, to destroy the one on the road to Damascus. And what does God do? He apprehends him through the resurrected Christ and stops him. And says, no, you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles. And why? To advance the message to the local church. It's the reason why we have the Bible. It's because of the work and use by God of the Apostle Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so again to God's holy people in Ephesus. Every single one of these epistles is written to the churches. So if you didn't go to the church at the time because you were traumatized, because you were suffering, if you were stopped, you weren't going to hear these messages. You weren't going to read them. In fact, there were small congregations of people here that got together and they were given this letter as it was dispersed. So you needed to read this letter to know to be encouraged. Where are we going to be encouraged? Where the holy word of God is exposed. And it's not going to be done in the house. Although churches did start in houses, I will give them that. It's not going to start in one's house by themselves. They have to be with other like-minded believers. That's why the church has been established. 
It's been established in the New Testament. This is the way God has worked, okay? The Godcast, going to a world that is dying, is perfect salvation to tell. Here's your host, Josh Fritz. Let's continue to hear Mr. Howard here. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Um, some of you will stick around. Some of you may <laughs> drop out and, and come back and look at this. But it says here, and I'll start in verse 23 for the sake of time. Let us hold on. And this is Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he promised is faithful. He who promises faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. For if we deliberately go. This is verse 26. If we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And so some have taken that text, the idea that the, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, do not forsake the gathering together, um, as is the habit of some are doing, but rather, and, uh, uh, but encourage each other and all the more as seeing the day approaching. What is happening here? Well, the book of Hebrews is essentially an apologetic. It is an apologetic to Christian Jews, Jewish Christians, who are considering leaving the faith, Christianity, because of persecution. And so the writer of Hebrews is laying out an entire epistle, which is an apologetic to Jewish Christians, encouraging them not to leave the fullness of light that is in Christ to go back to the shadows of Judaism. And so every chapter in the book of Hebrews is laying out an argument for why Christianity and the faith and faith in Christ is a is is a greater faith, is a greater religion essentially than Judaism. Why it's the fulfillment of those things, whether it's the priesthood of Christ, whether it's the relationship that we now have to the Father. Whether it's the ultimate sacrifice that is is isn't in Christ, you know, all the various ways in which Christianity Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism and why Jewish Christians should not return back to Judaism. When we get to chapter 10, one of the things we see here, if we, and specifically if we go up to verse 19, uh, we see that there's an exhortation that's being given here. An exhortation to, again, to persevere in the faith. And that exhortation is built upon the fact of what has happened in Christ. That the Holy of Holies, which was once a place where only the high priest could enter once a year is now a place where all believers are able to come to. That as believers in Christ, we are able to come into the holies of holies, essentially being talking about our connection, our relationship and intimacy with God himself. But we also come in as a people. We are the bride of Christ. We come in as a people. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying, first he lays out the reality that we, the people of God, are able to approach the the holies of holies, as the church, as the collective ecclesia, the called out ones, we are able to come together. And if this doesn't play right, I am going to stop it. So we'll see how see how this goes. He's making the point. He's going through the section of the scripture here. It's not really what I'm after, but it's what he says after this, which I want to capitalize on. So we could be here all day. We can go through this section of Hebrews 10, which is fine. But what he says to project his opinion onto it, which I have a problem with. So hopefully this... We as a church are able to come together and enter into the holies of holies. We do that through the preached word. We do that through congregational worship. We do that through... Uh, con 
congregational fellowship. When a church comes together, it is the very people of God coming together in unity, in community, in the very Holy of Holies. And so what he is ultimately saying here is, when you grasp that reality, then you need to press into that rather than uh, flee from that. Don't go back to Judaism where you have this dynamic where the high priest is able to enter the holies once a year and no one else is able to enter. <clears throat> Excuse me, when and no one else is able to enter, you have a new reality where the Holy of Holies, through the work of Christ, all the people of God are able to enter in. Don't forsake this reality. And so when we get to verse 25, what is being talked about here is people who are neglecting the, the, the beauty of the church and essentially are despising or treating the church, the, the reality of the ecclesia, the called out ones coming to that reality as being something that's trite, is something that's trivial. And what he is saying, the writer of Hebrews, he or she, I'm going to assume it's a he, um, I have my theories of who I think wrote the book, but what they are saying is, in light of these things, don't neglect fellowship. Don't neglect, neglect gathering with other believers. There's nothing in this text that talks about um, it having to be on a Sunday morning. Um, that comes from other translations. I believe the King James and, and other translations that use the term assembly. Don't, don't neglect the assembling together of the saints. And so they take the assembling together to mean, oh, this means the assembly, which then this means this is talking about Sunday gathering. And what this is talking about is actually... Christian community. Now, I want to move on to something else. Is this all what he should know is the institution of the church is given by Christ. And I want to read a document here of what he, uh, Mr. Howard should be familiar with. A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel. Observing the two ordinances of Christ, Governed by his laws, ooh, what's that? The word law. Governed by his laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word, and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Christ through democratic processes. In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. Its scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. The New Testament speaks also of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Scripture cited here is Matthew 16, 15-19, 18, 15-20, Acts 2, 41-42, and verse 47. Acts chapter 5, 11-14, chapter 6, 3-6, chapter 13, 1-3, chapter 14, 23 and 27, chapter 15, 1-30, chapter 16, verse 5, chapter 20, verse 28, Romans 1-7, 1 Corinthians 1-2, 1 Corinthians 3-16, 1 Corinthians 5, 4-5, 1 Corinthians 7, 17, 1 Corinthians 9, 13-14, uh, I believe there's a misprint here. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And Ephesians 3, 8 through 11 and 21. Ephesians 5, 22 to 32. Philippians 1, 1. Colossians 1, 18. 1 Timothy 2, 19 through 14. 
1 Timothy 3, 1 through 15, 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, Hebrews 11, 39 through 40, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, Revelation 2 and 3, so that's chapter 2 and chapter 3, and chapter 21, 2 through 3. This is from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is their statement on the Baptist faith and message. So this is the report of the Baptist Faith and Message Study Committee to the Southern Baptist Convention, June 14, 2000. So this is their statement that they're making here at their uh, at their convention, the Baptist Faith and Message Statement. So mind you, I am not a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. I am I do belong to a local independent Baptist church. I will say that myself. But even from his own the own statement there, of which the seminary which he went to says that about the local church. Let's read that once more. Let's get to the understanding here. The local church is a New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel. Okay? Observing the two ordinances of Christ. So if you're telling somebody who's been traumatized, they don't have to go to church, that means they don't have to celebrate the Lord's death and also... Uh, to even be in the presence of somebody being baptized. It's the ordinance of the local church. Okay, so uh, governed by his laws. What are these laws? Well, these laws are what's given in the New Testament. These are not laws of which they're Old Testament laws. I'm not saying that. It's the new. It's what Christ has set up. Christ set up the local church. To dissuade somebody from going is a wrong answer. I'm sorry. It's just wrong. Let's continue to to have him talk. So ultimately, what I'm saying from that is that the idea that that text is some kind of law that says if you don't go to church on Sunday morning, you are in sin. That is not what that text is getting at at all. It's getting at something much deeper and much more foundational to what it means to be a Christian and enter in and have the privilege of entering in to the Holy of Holies. With the- okay. If you are a well-abled-bodied person, able-bodied meaning you're not sick. Meaning you're not, you're, you can drive, you can get in the car and you can go. And you say you're a Christian. If you proclaim, confess, the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior and you fail to attend the local church, the local church is going to want to know why. The local church is going to want to want to know what's going on. Again, you're not bound to stay, to, to, if you're saying you're a believer, if you're saying those things before God. You're saying, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> He's my Savior. I'm going to be with people that love the Lord. And then you say, nah, that's not for me. That is the road to apostasy. Why? Let's read the rest of that chapter. So he stops. He doesn't read the rest of the chapter. Let's read the rest of this chapter. Because if you read the rest of this chapter, you're going to understand what I'm saying here. And what God's implying here. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If you're a person that says, church ain't for me no more, I got it all here on my own, you're going de- to devolve and go into apostasy. What is apostasy? You know the truth of God. You've tasted of the word of God. You've tasted of the message of God. And what? You've renounced it and you've walked away from it. You were never a believer, okay, in that sense. That's what that means. 
anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? This is an insult. I read this as an insult. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Whether you are an enemy of God or whether you are a uh, whether you are a, a believer before God, it's a dreadful thing. Only because if you know you're a saint, you know you're going to be disciplined by God. We picked that up in chapter 12 of Hebrews. But in this instance we're reading here, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Remember those earlier days after you have received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult, persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Again, these are believers. They stood side by side. How are you going to do that when you don't go to the local church? You suffered along those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. How would you do that? You have a relationship with God and relationship with your brother and sister in Christ. You knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. It's an eternal focus. That's the reason why we go to the local church. We're, we're looking to the future. To one day we're going to be seeing our Lord face to face. We meet together to encourage each other with those words. So read read First and Second Thessalonians. You'll get that answer. It says in verse 35, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You do need, you, no, excuse me, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, there's nothing, this is not all in vain. Going to the local church, fellowshipping with saints. Again, context is different because these people were suffering. But if you are a suffering person today and you've been traumatized by maybe leaders that have done things that are wrong to you, maybe that's physically abused, whatever it might be, don't give that up. Don't give the, the local church up. Have that person prosecuted. Find the proof. Prove it. If that's the case, go to a place that will do the right thing, that will preach the scripture. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. That's our Lord. And by my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. God doesn't take pleasure in it when we shrink back. And that I don't need the local church. God doesn't take pleasure in that. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have been have faith and are saved. Don't get this twisted, okay? Don't get it twisted. Let's let's finish up here and see what he says. The community of God. Now, what do we have? Well, we have texts like Philippians one. Philippians one, the Apostle Paul says um, to his to the church, and I. And this is Philippians one. Um, uh, we'll start in verse 8. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in, this, in, in every kind of discernment. I'm reading the, from the CSB. I prefer the ESV rendering of this, which it says, My prayers that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve of what is most excellent and be pure and blameless in the presence of Christ Jesus. What the Apostle Paul is essentially saying in the Philippians is that his prayer for the Philippian church is that they would abound more and more in love. 
but not just any kind of love, but a love that is fueled by both um, knowledge and discernment. And so it's not an uninformed love, but rather it's a love that, that knows, that knows the object in which it's loving. So what does that mean? It means that we don't simply, the church is not called to simply love other people in some kind of uninformed love. No, we are called, and all love ultimately calls us to seek to, to study and to know the object in which we're loving. And the fruit of that is discernment. Discernment is essentially the practice of knowledge. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that he wants the church to abound in a kind of love that is both informed, and in that informed love is practiced, again, through discernment. So one of the ways we dis this is demonstrated is the discernment of someone who has spiritual trauma, who has experienced spiritual abuse. What does it look like to abound in love towards such a person with knowledge of their experience so that you're able to discern how are you to treat or how you are to relate to them? And this goes on in Philippians 2 where it talks about being of one mind with one another. Well, what I would say is one of the things that is essential to this is understanding the dynamics of trauma. What does it mean to be traumatized? What does it mean for someone to be traumatized by the place on earth that is supposed to be the greatest refuge and greatest source of spiritual nourishment, the church? What impact does that have on an individual psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually when the place in which they place that the, they entrust their soul to... Um, brutalizes their soul, brutalizes their trust. You leave that place, you get the police involved, whatever it might be, you leave the place, you have that person prosecuted. What is so hard about that? What is so hard about that? You're projecting a situation onto the scripture here. And what does it say in Philippians? Well, let's go to Philippians because this is important. I want to do this. He's in Philippians 1. Let's read the whole thing up to where he was. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have in you my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, and so that you might be able to discern what is best and what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What is he talking about? Oh, you'll see in a second. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, if we're fearing a situation that we are in Christ we should look at this and say, wow, these people who are in a fearful situation, Paul's in the, he's locked up, but the people are encouraged because he's locked up, because he is advancing the gospel. Why? The gospel's going out. It's not bound. The gospel is not bound. Okay? 
the message is going out, regardless of the situation. Regardless of the situation you might be involved in that's spiritually traumatized, well, you might be traumatized, let's say. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt of that. That's not going to stop God's work. He's going to use that for his benefits, his purpose. Now, to take this section of scripture and to twist it into some package to give us the excuse to not go to church is ridiculous and it's erroneous. It says here, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have suffered, excuse me, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And what does he say here? One of the most famous verses here, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Okay, so... It tells you here, For I'll move further on, it says, Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm <coughs> in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, okay? But that you will be saved and that by God. For it is... For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So he was stopped for the gospel's sake. Paul was locked up for the gospel's sake. Any one of us going through any type of trauma or trouble, that shouldn't stop you as a believer. I know that sounds very sounds cold, but it's not cold. There's actually a warmness to this because... It's to encourage us to, you get out of those situations. You find a place that opens the scripture. You find a place. You don't just give you, I'm afraid. I'm not going to any church no more. You don't make that. That's not an out for you. You don't do that. Okay. Let's continue. What impact does that have? Again, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and even physiologically on their bodies. And, and what kind of things does the, does the, how, what kind of ways does a church operate that could essentially re-trigger the trauma that this individual has? And what I would submit to you is that when we look at Hebrews um, 10 and see what that text is actually saying, that it's not establishing any kind of law that says thou must go to church, otherwise you are going to be unfaithful to God and God is not pleased with you. I think that when we eradicate that legalistic approach to understanding that text, and when we look at texts like this one or other texts like John um, 13, 34 to 35, it by this, the word will know you're my disciples, your love for one another. When we look at all the one anothering passages which abound in the New Testament, the conclusion that we can make is that the the structure, the paradigm that we're to operate under as it relates to caring for wounded sheep, especially wounded sheep who've been wounded by the church, is not dictating some kind of laws in regards to whether or not they come to a church attend on a Sunday. It's how do we abound in love towards these individuals so that they are experiencing love? 
experiencing community and at the same time are not uh, missing out on whatever benefits the church has been able to is able to provide for them in this time of healing for them. And what that would mean then is not that we would, uh, the church would set up a posture saying, well, we know that you've been profoundly Im uh, impacted by the church. You've been abused by the church. You have psychological trauma. You have spiritual trauma. You have emotional and physiological trauma. And it is up to you to come here every Sunday and make sure you're sitting in my pew. That is not love. That the way he's saying it, I get what he's saying, but at the same time, how how do you how else do you describe that embracing of love what did they do with each other when they met with each other they sang psalms hymns spiritual songs the scriptures are exposed they're given out that's the only way we're going to get encouraged we're spurred along to good deeds you have to be there if you are a local church, if you are a believer in the lord jesus christ you want to go now, to put it on somebody and say you must go you can't make somebody go unless God draws them. Now, do you believe in the sovereignty of God or do you not? If someone says they're a believer, I'm going to expect them to be there. If they say they're a believer and they don't come, eh, you know, maybe there's something going on that we need to know about. But somebody that takes the local church and takes it less seriously because it's an institution given by God, that's somebody I'd want to uh, pray for because they need to give up what they're striving for and what they're trying to escape and escape to the local church. The local church for me, and I'll just, I'll give you my example as I close. Because I can keep going on. I went 14 minutes here with him. Maybe I can finish this up another time, but I'll give you my personal experience here on, on the um, on the ladder here. So that way you'll know what I feel on this one. And we'll just get rid of this. Let's see. I'll give you my take on this on the on the on the back end of this. For me, the local church is a place of comfort. It's a place also of rebuke. It's a place where we're trained in righteousness. It's a place where we're encouraged, where we're given the the necessary tools to combat a world out there that wants to devour us. We're told in Ephesians six to put on the whole armor of God. How are we going to do that? How is the church at Ephesus going to do that? When Paul wrote that to them, that should have, and it did, encouraged them. The local church is the bride of Christ. We're part of the body. What part of the body gets the right to go? What does the pinky say to the rest of the hand and say, you know what? I'm going to take a break today. I'm going to leave. I, I feel emotionally abused. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not participate today. No. The church functions together. It's one body. It's the bride of Christ. It's a relationship that we've been given through the work of God. There is no way in the scripture that you can divorce yourself from the attendance of the local church. It's a must. It's a must because it's for your spiritual growth. It's for your spiritual healing. Everything the answer is found in Jesus Christ. How else are we going to? We should be given a touch of heaven. For me, the personal experience for me, I went through something painful from 2015 to... Let's see. No, let's go back. 2013 till up until just about now. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's ongoing, but at the same time, I realized the necessity of the local church. I was divorced against my will. Uh, my my then wife had uh, my ex wife had done things against me. Uh, I did not pursue 
any of those things that would end our marriage. Um, but throughout that process, what was I met with? I was met with the local church. I couldn't wait to go. Why? Because of the, the problems that it had caused me in my own personal life, going to the local church and getting reinforced from the Word of God that um, of the Word of God that God is always faithful. God is always faithful no matter what, no matter what the circumstance may be. And every single time I'd go to the local church, sing a song, we'd, uh, you know, the scripture would be exposed systematically just going through the scripture. That bolsters your confidence in the Lord. It increases your faith when you have prayers before the Lord and they're answered. See, these are things that we look for in the local church. We look to grow. If you, if you are staying home because of something traumatic happening in your life, you're not going to be moving. You're going to be stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're not going anywhere. You're not growing. You need to grow. You need to go through those strife. You need to go through those battles in your life. You need to go through those things in your life that bother you, that affect you. And it's only going to cause your growth. You got to go through the fire. You got to go through the fire and never deny God and who he is. What do those three Hebrew children do? What do they do? They said, no matter what happens, we're not bowing down to that image. They go through the fire. Who's there with them? There's four, there's four individuals in that fire. There's only three Hebrew children. You do the math, you know who's in there. And not not one of their clothing was singed, nothing, no burnt smell, nothing. They were untouched. Why? Because of their devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, their devotion to the Lord. I frankly think the angel of the Lord there was in that presence of those men, and he kept them, the Lord himself. Um, but the, the idea uh, given out through Scripture is that the local church should never be negated, no matter what the situation may be. Again, things that are happening in the church that are not right, those people should be prosecuted, should not keep you away from the local church. You should want to go. Those that don't go to the local church, to me, in, in my estimation through the research and the study of the scriptures, may not have a relationship with God. Now, it's not to say that those that are sick, infirmed, trauma, uh, are uh, not traumatized, those that are unable to move or get out there, that's one thing. But there are people that are in wheelchairs that get to the local church. Why? They get in their car and they go. There are people that get rides. They get to the local Why? They know it's important. There are people that are blind. There are people that are mute. They, they, they want to be with the saints. You know, There's stories of people that go into foreign countries and they don't understand what a word that's being said in the, in the congregation, but they know that the fellowship is sweet. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to meet together. He wants us to spur one another. He wants us to admonish one another. He wants us to exhort one another. These are the things, this is the reason why we have the Bible. He did that for us so that we would be instructed and so that we can be encouraged. So with that, that concludes this episode. I want to thank you for joining me on this lovely Saturday afternoon, and this will be posting next week on the Bible Thumping Wingnut. God bless you guys. I will see you guys next week here on the Godcast. Again, get to that local church. Be blessed. Be a blessing wherever you go. Be an encourager. God bless you.
The Godcast, going to a world that is dying, is perfect salvation to tell. Here's your host, Josh Fritz.